0: Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettikin. I'm going to cut all that out. So, <laughs> what's going on?
1: Well, nothing much. Yeah, it's been like a long week. It seems to me. It how about you? Been.
0: It has been a long week. I,
1: I guess- like how we're act- acting like we don't talk every day. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: we literally talk from the moment that we wake up in the morning until we go to bed
1: like even when Desi
0: drops me off from when we go to the gym together I never say I'll talk to you tomorrow because I know I'm going to talk to her in like 30 minutes she's right. gonna like you know text me when she gets home like Ugh. like but you yeah know, something so it
1: is funny that we're always like hi good to see you after a week
0: yeah we we talk so, every single day okay um, but yeah So uh, I'm going to thank our Patreon contributors. Our Patreon is where we have lots and lots of bonus content available for a few bucks a month.
1: Yes. Yes. You're not just giving us money for what we already give you for free. There's more. Right. We're not going to
0: just make you pay for a free show. We're going to give you content more
1: content so if you want more content
0: go to patreon.com slash hollywood crime scene and that's where you will find it and this week we had josie uh josie actually sent us um a really funny email she sent me it was about the pat o'brien voicemails
1: oh right i
0: forgot i just realized i forgot to write back to you but i laughed i laughed (laughs) i laughed really hard at it it was really funny Josie, we had Stacy, Diane, Dave, Marco, Aziz, Alondra, Jennifer, and that's it. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. And we're
1: actually going to be working on adding more types of content and more sort of perks and and like stuff, cool stuff on the Patreon. So, yeah, check it out. And, uh, whatever. Let's just, <laughs> let's, let's
0: get on with the show, shall we? Doop
1: boop. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Serious now.
0: We're very serious. <laughs> this is a very serious story. So where we left off, if you haven't listened to part one, go back, listen to part one so you can learn all about Randy Kraft. That's who we're talking about. He is a very prolific serial killer from Southern California in the seventies and eighties as was the peak serial killer time. Right, but he didn't
1: have a gimmick, so you might not have heard of him.
0: <laughs> right, that was like our conclusion of last episode. Why
1: someone who was so prolific isn't more well known? Because
0: he didn't have a gimmick, right? Like he didn't have a clown suit, and he wasn't a ladies' man like Ted Bundy. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. So Randy, where we left off before, he had just been taken into the station to be questioned about Keith Crotwell. The man who had just gone missing was his head was turned up, wedged between some rocks, and they were like, We're pulling in the guy who was last seen with him, and it was Randy. So Randy was like, Look, I drove around with the guy, but he wandered off into the dark of night when the car broke down on the side of the freeway. I haven't seen him. They let Randy go, and in June of 1975, Randy's boyfriend, Jeff Graves, was called into the Long Beach Police Department to take a lie detector test, because he had, Jeff had corroborated the story. Right. He's like, yeah, no, Randy, he didn't do it. So he passed the lie detector test, but Randy was shook at this point. He's like, holy shit, that was a really close call. Oh, my God. And that very same month, Randy was arrested for, quote, lewd conduct in a men's bathroom and charged with a misdemeanor. And on top of it, he was also laid off from his job. What was the
1: conduct? Did just you... gay sex.
0: Oh. And it was like a vice sweep. So the police just wanted to arrest gay people. Like, they didn't meet their quota of arresting people. Right. So they're so like,
1: let's go to this bathroom. And see what see what dicks are out. Right. So- <laughs> That's literally it. It was just police, yeah. oh, police, you got your being dick police, out. yeah,
0: police being policemen.
1: Uh, and the boyfriend passed the lie detector test, but he probably really believed yes. Randy was innocent. Yes, right.
0: Randy's having a rough go. He just gets he gets laid off from his when job. It, when it rains, it pours. It, I mean, you nearly get off from you literally nearly get off in a bathroom before being arrested. Before
1: that, you just barely squeak by. I mean, I. I have to say, it's like, if I just got off from murder, I don't think I'd be visiting the bathrooms for a bit. Like, I'd probably take a break from doing anything remotely illegal, but Randy, obviously. I mean, that's why I'm not a prolific serial killer. I'm scared of being arrested in jail. (laughs) Well, Randy doesn't do breaks, okay?
0: Randy yeah. is like those no excuses Instagram posts. No excuses. Doesn't matter right. what's going on in your life. You go to the gym. For Randy, he goes to murder. Yeah. No excuses. Or um, bathroom sex. Or bathroom yeah. sex. he's on it. He's on it. So Jeff Graves and Randy's relationship was on the rocks at this point. And Jeff was still enjoying the nightlife. And at this time, Randy was, he was just really looking to settle down in his life. Oh. Jeff wasn't looking to settle down. He still wanted to go cruising a lot and sort of see other people and have this social life. And Randy's
1: like, you know. Jeff was Polly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> According to the book Angel of Darkness, Randy had confessed to his fe- friend that he did have sex with Keith C- Crotwell. That was the victim.
1: So now he's saying night. he did have sex with He's like, with yes, him.
0: we had sex. Did I murder him? No. Right. But we did have sex. But this whole incident of like almost, you know, having to go in to talk to the police, it left his boyfriend just like, ugh, I don't want to deal with this. Yeah, I'm not into th- I'm out.
1: I'm red out. flag.
0: It was a red flag. So Jeff moved out of their apartment they shared together and they were done for good by the end of 1975. That year, Randy met 19 year old Jeff Seelig. So there's two Jeffs in the story. His two main relationships are with men named Jeff. So we're only gonna be talking about Jeff Sealig from now. I don't want to confuse people. Right. So he meets this new Jeff, new Jeff City, Jeff Sealig at a party, and they begin dating. Randy Kraft may be a homicidal maniac, but he's just looking for love like the rest of us. Right. I mean he
1: loves to it's love. It's the human spirit. Right.
0: <laughs> he's just serial killers, they're just like us. Okay. So Jeff told Randy that he was 26. But when Randy found out that Jeff was only 19, he was very upset. Oh. How dare you lie to me about something so egregious? How old
1: is Randy at this time? 29. Okay.
0: So he was like... So he's
1: young too, I mean...
0: Yeah, but I've dated a person in their early 20s when I was in my late 20s, and sometimes it's a big difference.
1: Oh, it's definitely a big difference. (laughs) Uh, Right. It's not crazy, but... it wasn't like... Yeah.
0: But I just find it rich that Randy's like, how dare you keep this secret from me? Right. This was the first of many fights over the course of their eight-year-long relationship. Oh. But the couple made up and moved in with each other to an apartment in Laguna Hills in 1976. According to the book, Jeff Seelig was really the Lucy to Randy's Ricky Ricardo. Oh. Like, you know, Jeff was this fun-loving guy. And he wanted to
1: be in the show. He
0: wanted to be in the show, and Randy was more uptight and sort of like, no, we have order. We do things this way. Right. I'm the grown-up in this relationship, and you're out there being, Yeah. So being he's wacky. trying to,
1: come on, it's time to grow up. Right. You're almost 20. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Randy, though, he did teach Jeff how to troll for hitchhikers alongside the freeway so they could pick them up for, for three ways. He's like, I'm going to teach you about my lifestyle, which is I like cruising for guys. We can bring them home and have sex with them. And here's all the gay nightclubs that I go to. Okay. So he did sort of help immerse this young guy he was dating into the whole scene. Um, and Jeff was a Jeff Seelig was a very social guy. So, you know, they did have some fun together. And although Randy was busy with his new relationship and still recovering from the scare of being questioned by the police, Randy still got one more kill-in before the year was over. Hmm. He didn't even stop for a whole year. He he had to get another kill-in. On New Year's Eve of 1975, 22-year-old Mark Howard went out drinking with his two buddies. Mark had moved to California from Idaho with dreams of becoming a rock star. At the time, he worked at the Emerson Electric Company in Santa Ana. Mark and his two buddies, they headed down to San Juan Capistrano, which is by San Diego, for a New Year's Eve party, but it was pretty lame. They all got wasted, and Mark Hall just ended up passing out on a couch in the living room at this house. Just after midnight, Mark's friends went to the living room of the party to wake him up, but he was gone. So the two friends hung around this house... For mark to return but by morning he was still missing and they had just hung out at this party at this random house like right. waiting for their pal to return i mean he
1: really got it in on, in the nick of time it was new year's eve <laughs> the, the murder
0: oh yeah oh yeah. yeah he had to get one in and on january 3rd 1976 the nude body of mark hall was found 30 miles west of san juan capistrano he was found amongst a heavy brush near the ortega highway Mark had been tied up and bound and tortured before death. A burn from a cigarette lighter was found on his left nipple, like Uh so many other of Kraft's victims. Burns from the same lighter were found on his eyelids, nose, cheeks, and upper lip. Deep cuts were found in his legs, and a swizzle stick had been inserted into his penis before it was chopped off along with his testicles. The genitals were then shoved into his rectum.
1: So he really went all out with this kill. I realize this is probably a very rude question, but was the swizzle stick still in the penis? Yes. In his rectum? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, Randy had to make a big fucking show.
1: I mean, this is pretty... You'd think, like, as a guy, you'd have a visceral reaction. Like, you know you can't even talk about a guy getting kicked in the nuts without a guy in your presence being like, oh, right. just, like, the idea of it? Right. Like, the idea that he could do that it just seems so Well, that's what insane. separates Randy from us. <laughs> right. <laughs> that lack of empathy. Or lack of even like a visceral reaction to something.
0: Like, Yeah, it's pretty wild. Mark had acute alcohol poisoning. His blood alcohol level was a 0.67. He is said to have died from a combination of alcohol poisoning and asphyxiation. Ooh. There were leaves and dirt that had been stuffed into his throat. Okay. So he had quite a time mm.
1: before he died. I mean, maybe it was good that he was that intoxicated, right? I don't know. I mean, I don't do they speculate that he was drunk from his own drinking or did, did, um, Randy like, I'm sure Randy plied him with, yeah, with different Steph. stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. On December
0: 10th, 19 year old Paul Fuchs. So this is like all the way the next year. He took a September. He did take a break. No, this is December 10th. Randy Randy took a break. Oh, so
1: that's almost a year.
0: Yeah, he took a long break in 1976. On December 10th, 19-year-old Paul Fuchs was last seen at Ripples, a gay bar in Belmont Shores. His body was never found, but he is believed to be one of Randy's victims, as his name would end up appearing on his scorecard. Oh. In 1977, Patrick Kearney, who is one of the other freeway killers, he was arrested for the murder of 28 boys and young men. Patrick Kearney's modus operandi was different than Randy Kraft's. However, this was like I just said, this was one of the uh, three freeway killers at this time. There was William Bonin who he did the show on. There was Randy Kraft. And then this guy, Patrick Kearney who gets arrested in 1977. And His, all of his victims died by gunshot wound and their bodies had all been dismembered and stuffed into trash bags. So totally different Uh than Randy. So, you know, the, the police were happy they got this guy, but they're like, there's a completely different guy. They knew it
1: wasn't like, oh, everything else is solved too. Right. It was a different person. Right. Randy had seemingly taken a break from the killing,
0: but by 1978, he was at it again. Randy was into playing cards and he would often have his friends over for poker nights. His friend Michael recalls an incident in which him and several other friends were at Randy's for dinner and poker and that there would be just some hitchhiker dude passed out in the bedroom and they'd be like who is that he'd be like oh he's a hitchhiker he we got he got really drunk and so I let him crash and his friend was like I don't know why you would get a hitchhiker drunk yeah because then the burden's on you to like take care of them why would you get a, why would you do that yeah he couldn't but it was one of those things where, like, hindsight... Yeah. Like, he sort of just took his friend's word for it. Like, he gave right. him the benefit of the doubt. Well, like, no one's
1: leaping to he's a killer.
0: Right. I mean, everyone really liked Randy. He had a lot of friends. Like, you know, they had... He lived this seemingly normal life. He had a computer job. He had poker nights and yeah. dinner parties and went to the bar with his buddies. So... You know, but looking back on it, he's like, yeah, that is incredibly odd that right. there was just this man, strange man, passed out in his bedroom and it wasn't even like a lover. It was just some random hitchhiker. He had picked up and gotten drunk for some reason. As with many serial killers, Randy's methods escalated. Though he wasn't known for being terribly discreet with the dumping of the bodies before, uh, at least before these bodies have been dumped in slightly more out of the way places but by 1978 he just began like began dumping them along the edges of busy freeways and
1: busy main roads okay he
0: he's not even he's not even going slightly out of the way anymore like so on a dirt road he's getting
1: or more c- comfortable he's
0: getting more confident i would say and he's just like fuck fuck you i'm going to leave gonna you catch me. Yeah. yeah i'm going to leave you right here in april of 1978 18 year old an 18-year-old Marine named Scott Michael Hughes was found dumped alongside a freeway on, off the on-ramp in Anaheim. Scott had had a testicle removed, and then he had been strangled. So again, lots of genital mutilation. Pretty much all of his victims had some form of genital trauma to them, and all of them were strangled or asphyxiated in some way. Valium was also found in his system. On June 11, 1978, the body of Ronald Gerald Young was found in Irvine. His body had been dumped from a moving vehicle. Oh, this, one, this cause of death was actually different than the rest. He died from four stab wounds to the chest.
1: Oh, wow. So that's
0: quite different yeah. than his other kills. But yes, there was also genital mutilation. Right. Randy committed at least three more murders throughout the rest of 1978. And I'm not going to mention every single one of his murders because, like I said, in episode one, he definitely killed at least 50 people.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, So that's too many. This would be like a six-part episode. If you went through each one. If I went through each of his murders. In 1979, Randy killed at least three more. In June, he killed 20-year-old Donald Crystal in August, he killed an unidentified male only known as 76 because Randy dumped his dismembered remains behind a 76 station. And 76 wasn't the official police name. That's what Randy called him in his scorecard. Okay. Okay. So in September, he killed and dismembered 20-year-old Gregory Jolly and dumped his remains at Lake Arrowhead. And in November, he is believed to have abducted and killed 15-year-old Jeffrey Sayer. By the summer of 1980, Randy Kraft and Jeff Seelig were just living the dream. The couple had bought a house together, and Randy was working as a data processing expert at Lear Siegler. And Jeff was making confections at a very popular gourmet chocolate shop called Grandma's Sugar Plums. <laughs> now, Desi, I googled Grandma's Sugar Plums immediately because I wanted to know if this place was still open. And sadly, it closed a few years ago.
1: Oh really? Where was it? South Bay or Long Beach? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my mouth is watering just thinking of the confections.
0: I know, and because Jeff was a baker, that's what he did. Okay, that was like his passion. So oh. he becomes like a chocolate maker, a, Yum. a candy maker, basically, and he's really into it. That's totally his whole deal. And he's working at this really, pop- I mean, this was the kind of place where there'd be like a line around the block, oh, yeah. Grandma's Sugar Plums. And so I looked it up and... Grandma's Sugar Plums.
1: <laughs> I like the picture, Dirty Grandma.
0: I know. I love the name. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, all I saw was like a post on Chowhound, like, oh, this place is now defunct. It's so sad. It was so good.
1: Oh. Yeah. It's hard to keep those small businesses open. Right. I love Especially this- when there's like C's. Right, Something. I love how this is
0: like, oh, this is the saddest part of the yeah. whole story. <laughs> this chocolate shop, the chocolate shop isn't open anymore. I closed
1: my emotions down for the murder, but I didn't for chocolate. <laughs> you surprised me. I
0: didn't prepare you for this. I'm very sorry. <laughs> that same summer, Randy was assigned to a job in Oregon for a couple months in a town near Portland. While Randy was there, William Bonin was arrested for his own freeway killings. Meanwhile, a gay activist group offered fifty thousand dollars for the in- for information leading to the arrest of whoever was behind the third freeway killer, aka Randy. Because all these guys in the Long Beach and surrounding areas in the gay community right. are going missing or winding up horrifically murdered, yeah. and so there's this activist group, and they're like, "Fucking get this guy!" Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um,
1: so, but the community is. Um, on alert now. They are on yeah. alert.
0: And it wasn't everyone in the gay community who was super into this idea of publicizing this because right. this is 1980. So there was a good deal of people in the gay community at this time who were like, don't publicize that there's right. this gay serial killer going around because we're already so maligned just for, yes. just for being gay. We don't want this to be associated with the community that it's just like dangerous, right, violent, you predators. know, predators, yeah. so there, there was a bit of a split there, but there was definitely an alert from the community at this time. On July 17th, 1980, the nude body of 17-year-old Michael, Michael O'Fallon was found near a freeway on-ramp 10 miles outside of Salem, Oregon. His wrists and ankles were tied together with shoelaces, and he had been strangled. Michael was hitchhiking, trying to make his way down to California, when Randy picked him up and gave him Valium and alcohol. And just two hours after after the discovery of Michael O'Fallon, the body of a man in his 30s was found on the shoulder of the I-15 freeway in Oregon. He was tied up, strangled, and filled with Valium as well. He was never identified. So Randy's just away on business, got to kill some people. Yeah. He doesn't stop just because he's on, on a work trip. Right. I mean, I mean, he kills people the way people like the way I go to restaurants, like restaurants I've heard of, yeah. you know, where I'm like, oh, I got to try this new place. Right. It's like he goes out Portland. of town. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Portland. I might as well. Yeah. might as
1: well murder people here. It's crazy. Right. Well, he, that's usually how people get caught, too, because all of a sudden it's like two similar murders. Don't get ahead of yourself, Desi. Okay. We're going <laughs> to... Well, my don't
0: spoil the story. I, I mean. don't know what
1: happens, but that is like, I remember <laughs> right. with Hillside I mean, strangler. True. Right. Because all of a sudden then they're like, well, now we can see who was here and here. Like, <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But he wasn't thinking like that. He's like, I just got to fucking murder you gotta someone. You got to do it.
1: Got to you follow your dream. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was his dream. In August, Randy Kraft returned to California after his work assignment was over. Randy was receiving glowing reviews from his supervisor, including praise for his, quote, excellent problem-solving skills and quote Randy's a self-starter Randy works well with little supervision and accepts any assignment cheerfully
1: I mean I'm not saying the lie here I'm he not is either. a self-starter
0: <laughs> He accepts any assignment cheerfully he will go to Oregon and complete the assignment
1: Yeah, yeah. he's he's motivated
0: he's a highly motivated individual <laughs> He has a lot of strengths
1: right For works sure. well
0: individually excellent problem solving problem skills solving, the, yeah. that's my favorite is problem solving hey skills. you know what
1: sometimes you don't have a sock and you have a swizzle stick right <laughs>
0: he makes it work
1: he makes it work his sadistic uh, torture
0: he uses what's on hand very creative <laughs> very creative okay police breathed a temporary sigh of relief after Bonin was locked up and for the rest of the summer of 1980 no bodies turned up but in September, just two days after Labor Day, almost as if it was a prank. Like, oh, I'm going to take the summer off in right. L.A., but then two days after Labor Day.
1: Now, Bonin was young boys and men. Yes. Or young men, too. Yes. Uh, was Kear- Kearney? Kearney, was- Kearney, also young
0: boys and men. Okay. Two days after Labor Day, the body of 19-year-old Marine Robert Wyatt, Wyatt Loggins, Jr., was found crumpled up in a trash bag, decaying, dumped in the gutter by a housing tract near the El Toro Marine Air Base. Before Robert Loggins died, Randy photographed the young man passed out on his couch. These photos would not be discovered until much later. In April of 1981, Randy was back in Oregon for work, and while he was there, he murdered 17-year-old Michael Kluck, Michael had been hitchhiking from his home in Washington and was heading to Bakersfield. Randy picked him up, and Michael's nude body was found off the 5 Freeway in Oregon. Cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. He had been beaten with either a tire iron or a rock, and there was a large amount of blood around his head when he was found, and he had also been anally raped. Police were investigating the murder while Randy was headed to a hospital in Oregon because he bruised his foot. During the process, Jesus somehow <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a little pull a whiny baby. I, I know, like you, you go, to, go to the hospital for a bruised foot. I'm sorry, like dude, you just pounded this guy's head in with a rock and raped him, and you're like, "Ouch, my foot!" Uh, I mean, it is smart, so crazy to me. Right, uh, he had also had some scratches on his face. Oh. Randy's coworkers joked with him. They were like, ribbing him, like, "Oh, you hurt your foot on oh, when you were away in Oregon? Ha ha ha! What were you doing, chasing a girl around the Ramada?" <laughs> That's what they. <laughs> Jesus Christ! That was their joke. That was like they thought that was hilarious.
1: Did they know he was gay?
0: I don't think it mattered. I don't know. Right? I, I don't know if they knew, but it- they just were like, "What are you doing? You yeah. broke your foot,
1: <laughs> I stubbed my tr- my toe." <laughs>
0: Well, Randy told him, no, I got up in the middle of the night to get a snack and I stubbed my toe, which I feel like is how I would get injured.
1: I'm sure I've done that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, why is he going to the hospital for a stubbed toe? I
1: mean, that seems insane to me, especially right. after if you had scratches on your face.
0: Yeah. Randy told the doctor, he told the doctor a completely different story, though. He said, I got up in the middle of the night to flip on the TV to watch the space shuttle landing. Ugh. <sighs> What a nerd. Right. (laughs) In August of 1981, Randy picked up 17-year-old male sex worker named Christopher Williams in Los Angeles. And on August 20th, Christopher's body was found on the side of the road in the San Bernardino Mountains. Christopher had been drugged with heavy sedatives, and the cause of death was from asphyxiation, specifically from choking on his own mucus. He was also found with paper stuffed in his nose. At this time, Randy was really into Est. (laughs) I'm sorry. I think that wasn't a good transition. That's just what my next note said.
1: That's amazing. Do you want to
0: explain what Est is?
1: Look, I don't know exactly, but it's basically like a self-help type of seminar series that people would take in the 70s, and I guess it went into the 80s. Yeah. At some point, they did change the name to The Forum, because I think Est... Est... Is named after the founder, right? Who was like, what is it? Werner Erhard or something like that. Something so like that. So he had some, I think he had some legal troubles. So they took his name out of it because the whole thing had a bad rep and they right. changed it to the forum. Kind of similar to, I think, Children of God.
0: They rebranded. They
1: rebranded, I think maybe as the family or something. I can't remember. But this isn't like a cult. It's just like a no, seminar. No, it's a seminar, but it has culty vibes to it because people who get into it are very into it. So and they love talking It's kind of like it. an Herbalife thing where it's like, you have to do the four, uh, S to changed my life. It's like they can't let it go. Right. Those type of people who do it. It's, so it has like a culty vibe to it, although it's not an official cult. Right. But it's uh, – anyways – That's very hilarious and very of the time for him to do this. He was really into Est. And he loved
0: trying, he wanted to try and help his friends. Like he had this one girlfriend who was pregnant and she was sort of, you know, she, she was having a rough pregnancy and he's like, you got to do Est. You got to go to Est to change my life. I'm a better person because of it. So it is really rather hilarious. And they have some
1: weird rules too. Like the one thing that always stayed with me was someone who did it as a kid told me that they weren't allowed to go to the bathroom. They had to wait. So it's like it does have a bit of a controlling, like learn self-control kind of thing to it.
0: Yeah, that's how you get a bladder infection. I'm not about that. No. That's I, just I would stupid. be immediately
1: like, fuck that, even as a kid. I oh, yeah, get me out of here. Right. Well, I would have never gone, but
0: <laughs> Beauty should be good for you. And that's why we're excited to tell you about beauty counter. See why Upstart is top-ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Hollywood to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash Hollywood. By the spring of 1982, Randy's relationship with Jeff Seelig was going sour. So in June of that year, the pair decided to go to couples counseling. The therapist got to know the couple. Randy was the older, more uptight of the pair. He liked to be in control, and he didn't have the same strong appetite for sex that his boyfriend had. He was probably exhausted from murder. All the genital mutilation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love the idea that he's like, I can't fuck you. I am exhausted. I am murdering people nonstop. And right. you come home and you want to make love. I'm just not in the mood. If like- I see one more penis today. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, ugh.
0: So th- Randy really wants to make this work. He's like, we're going to couples counseling. I love how into therapy. Uh, he Oh, is. he's super into therapy at this point and super into like, you know, I
1: mean, what a dual lifeline he's living.
0: Like it's such a double life. Yeah. It's like, so But I feel like
1: almost like he doesn't even know like for him, they're very separate too. You oh know yeah. What I mean
0: like he's a yeah. master at compartmentalizing. Yeah. I mean, it's like he has completely pushed this other side of him. Right away so randy really liked to be in control of the situation and his relationship with his family was very strained his family was religious his dad didn't like that he was a fucking queer uh he would go down and visit them because they lived close they were in southern california but he didn't it was always like a chore to kind of go down there and it wasn't that fun for him Jeff Seelig, on the other hand, was much more relaxed. He was very hungry for sex and very fun. And he came from a very supportive and close Jewish family who accepted his sexuality. Mm-hmm. So they had quite the opposite family yeah. life. And Jeff's sort of like, come on, honey, like, let's just have fun. And it's all good. And, and meanwhile, Jeff has no idea of yeah. Randy's double life at all. It's just so wild. But Randy was feeling underappreciated and he was probably jealous that Jeff had his own
1: friends and his, and this big social life, you know? Right. Why a, a rump, you know, like, well, part of the appeal, I think of being like the older person in a relationship with a younger person is that you think they're going to be, you know, where you're at to you and you're going to be in control of their life. So the fact that he had this other thing, right? Yeah. It's like he couldn't have the control maybe he wanted, right? Uh,
0: they even went to Europe together to try and respark the romance in their life, and both of them were making good. I mean, Randy was making good money at this point,
1: right? He has a success. They both had careers. They
0: both had careers. They both, you know, uh, lived together, and and they 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 had a pretty comfy, cushy life. Meanwhile, the residents of Echo Park in Los Angeles had been complaining of a foul stench permeating their neighborhood. On July 29th, Caltrans workers discovered the decaying body of 13-year-old Raymond Davis buried under some leaves by the freeway at the Rampart Boulevard off-ramp. Raymond's wrist had been bound with string that were tied behind his back, and he had been strangled to death with his own shoelaces. This poor boy, he was just visiting Los Angeles from the Bay Area. He went down to Echo Park to visit where he had family members. Right. And he gets murdered. Thirteen Ugh. years old, just fucking tragic. Uh, he was last seen in June while he was out walking his dog. So he was pretty putrid, yeah. At this point, while detectives were at the scene, a second body was found in the area, Damn. like forty feet, wow, by like away mm-hmm. from this body of this thirteen-year-old kid. This was sixteen-year-old Robert Avila that they found. He had been strangled with the wire from a stereo speaker. Randy did continue to see a therapist on a weekly basis and would go on to murder a few more men in 1982, including 26-year-old Brian Witcher and 29-year-old Anthony Silvera while he was in Oregon on business in November and December, which just goes to show there are lots of awful people who go to therapy, but therapy doesn't work if you're not honest with yourself and honest with your therapist. Right. You have to be honest, and Randy was
1: not being honest. So he just wasted all that money for nothing.
0: Right. Who knows what he was talking about? He's skipping the big elephant in the room.
1: Yeah. I mean, the therapy thing is something that's insane to me, that he that he would do that. Right. I mean, I don't know what his point was. That's <laughs> why I do feel like he was so com- compartmentalized. Right.
0: Right. You know. After Randy murdered Anthony Silvera, he traveled up to Seattle to visit his friends and Randy arrived to visit his friends wearing the green army jacket that had belonged to his latest victim. On the breast pocket bore his name, Silvera. Wow. That's pretty bold.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. And they
0: were all kind of poking fun at Like, where'd you get this army surplus jacket from? Yeah. Haha, <laughs> what is this? It's like, it's not even his style. Right. Like his personal style. He was a yuppie at this point, And he's wearing this like, he just has to wear this trophy mm-hmm. that he took in front of his friends. He's he's pretty bold also at this point. Next, Randy headed to Grand Rapids, Michigan for work. Randy's company, Lear Siegel, was hosting a conference at the Amway Grand Plaza Hotel. And this hotel is a nice hotel. Mm. It's sprawling. It's luxurious. It's in a nice area of town. It's a popular location for tourists and locals to sort mm. of meet and have drinks and it's in a nice area yeah so there at this hotel there was also an additional convention going on a horticulture convention and that's why 20 year old chris schoenborn and his father were there for the horticulture convention they were farmers after a long day at the convention and as chris began to enjoy the bar and the scene his father robert took off so, Chris is there by himself, drinking, enjoying himself, partying mm-hmm. with everybody else. And soon after, Chris's 24 year old cousin, Dennis Alt, showed up and they got turned.
1: Horticulture, turnt. Get turn, getting turned, go together.
0: I'm just saying, those horticulture people, they know how to party.
1: You're spending all day with flowers and plants, hoeing in the field.
0: You got to hoe at the convention
1: center now. Got to put the whore in horticulture.
0: I agree. And this convention was like popping off at this point.
1: I mean, it was, packed. I like literally want to go to a horticulture convention. What do you even
0: do there? No Talk idea. About seeds? <laughs> I don't know. Someone horticulture explain me. Yeah.
1: It sounds fun. I'm interested.
0: I used okay. to go to young people, sober conventions, like all throughout my early twenties. Those are fucking wild. Yeah. I mean, it's all the bad kids in one big hotel together yeah staying up all night drinking red bull fucking Mm -hmm. running around screaming like yes it's very spiritual at times and it's very like emotional obviously and like i but it's pretty fucking lit yeah it's pretty wild Mm -hmm. so i mean uh, the horticulture people sound
1: fun too i think so i like people letting loose
0: yeah i do too at some point that night the two cousins dennis and chris were seen talking to fucking randy they were seen talking to him big mistake because both turned up dead
1: wow both yeah. is that his first double he had killed
0: a couple doubles before because in echo park he probably killed those boys but it wasn't known for sure right? no it wasn't but he did have people on his list that was like two in one right so it was Got like it. maybe two in one night but this, this was is like, like a, a pair this is a pair together and they were cousins so Right. I, I just feel like it would be harder to have two at once. Yeah. That we have to kill them both. Yeah. It didn't help that both of them were drunk from this party. Yes. and So uh, he had
1: like a little of an advantage. Right.
0: And he probably gave him Valium or right. some kind of sedative because he always gave his victims some kind of yeah. prescription drug. The two cousins were found laying on the ground next to a water tower covered in freshly fallen snow. They had been posed. So he does a little bit of True Detective Season 1. I mean, a lot less artistic than that. Yes. (laughs) But he's he's trying to be like, I'm going to make an artistic statement with this at this point. Chris was nude and his legs were spread into a V-shape. Dennis was clothed, but his shirt was pulled up, exposing his torso and his penis was out. His pants were undone and just his genitals, his penis and his testicles were out. And he was lying on his back perpendicular to Chris. So they were forming sort of this triangle shape. Right. I don't know what that's supposed to symbolize, but that's that's what they were doing. That's how police found them. A ballpoint pen from the Amway Plaza Hotel was found inserted into Chris's urethra. Oof. He had ligature marks uh, on his neck from being strangled, and the boys would be recorded into Randy Kraft's scorecard as GR2, Grand Rapids 2. Oh. Before the bodies of the cousins were even discovered, Randy was already back in Oregon murdering 18-year-old hitchhiker Lance Taggs. Damn. Yeah. He works quickly. Yeah. Detectives in Oregon had noticed that the string of murders that had been occurring over the past couple of years were happening at such odd intervals that it was possible, they thought, that the killer was from out of state. So, the Oregon police contacted police in the other surrounding states and were like, look, this is our guy's modus operandi. Mm-hmm. Does this look familiar to anybody? The Oregon police noticed that all these murders were young guys, a lot of them were hitchhikers, and they all had some kind of prescription drugs in their systems. Well, they soon learned that there were a lot of boys down in Southern California with drugs in their systems, too. Mm-hmm. Randy's next kill, however, wouldn't be until January 27, 1983. Randy picked up 21-year-old Eric Church in Orange County while he was hitchhiking to Sacramento. His body was found strangled by the side of the 605 freeway. On February 12th, Randy killed two men from Buena Park, 18-year-old Jeffrey Nelson and 20-year-old Roger Duval. And on May 14th, 1983... Randy was in his Toyota Celica swerving down the five freeway in Mission Viejo at one a.m. when he was pulled over by the police. They were like, "Okay, this guy's fucking wasted." Right. So Randy, instead of waiting in the car, immediately gets out of the car, and he dumps out a half-drunk bottle of beer onto the pavement below. Like, "Oh shit, gotta gotta get rid of this." Right. And he approaches the car, which is a, which alerted the police at that point they're like why is this guy getting out of the car yeah. something's weird about this not only is he approaching the police car but his pants are unbuttoned at this <laughs> point Sorry, but- <sighs> this guy so they were like we're doing a field sobriety test like touch your nose yeah walk in a straight line he fails immediately and they're like come on buddy you're coming with us so they handcuff him they put him in the back of the car but did police are like There's something weird about this guy. We're going to see if anyone else is in the car. Yeah. So they go up to the passenger side door and they see a guy just slumped over in the car. And so they're knocking on the window Uh and this guy's not getting up. And they're like, oh, shit, he's really fucking passed out. Yeah. So they open the door and try and shake him awake. He's not passed out. He's dead. Damn. Uh, ambulance comes and people try and resuscitate him. They put the fucking paddles on him. He's gone. He's gone. And this person was 25-year-old Terry Gambrel, a Marine who was stationed at the El Toro base. He had been strangled to death and police noticed a bottle of Ativan next to the body. Randy had given him the Ativan before his death and there were also ligature marks that were found on his wrists. When police searched Randy's car, they found a whole mess of damning evidence. Inside Randy's Toyota Celica was Terry Gambrill's belt. The belt was the same width as the ligature mark around his neck. They found a whole mess of beer bottles. They found nine different bottles of prescription drugs, including Ativan and Valium. They found a book called The Essential Guide to Prescription Drugs. What You Need to Know for Safe Drug Use. So I guess Randy just did the opposite. Right. Of that, or maybe yeah. he just did the, what wouldn't kill them.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that weird. is
0: almost like, I mean, that's like having a, how to cook humans. Yeah. Book. Yeah. In your car. Uh, on the underneath of the floor mat though, of the, of the driver's side was an envelope. And inside this envelope was 47 photographs of young men. Some of the men in the photos were naked, some clothed, but all of them looked either passed out or dead. And inside the trunk of Randy's car was a briefcase. And inside the briefcase was the cryptic list of names known as his scorecard. This was Randy's death list. The list contained names like Stable, England, Dart 405, and 76, like I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. So while all this is going down, Randy's boyfriend is at a chocolate
1: convention up in LA. I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. That sounds really fun. (laughs)
1: I mean, this is an insane story, but I do want to go to a chocolate convention. This
0: poor boyfriend. He's like
1: just... I'm so hungry. I know this is horrible, but I didn't eat. So when I hear this chocolate stuff, I'm just like, my stomach is growling. Right. But it is a horrible story. (laughs) Uh, Also, the idea that he would drive that drunk, was he going to dump the body, basically? I mean, the fact that he's drunk, once again, is insane to me. He's being very irresponsible, Randy. I mean, yeah. That's crazy. This is not good. So he's... I mean, that's sort of like an interesting insight because I don't think we really get to see... Normally, they'll have the body in the trunk or something. But the fact that he just has it sitting in the passenger seat... He's so brazen at this point. Yeah. And
0: I think a lot of serial killers... You do see this sometimes where they're, they've gotten away with it for so long.
1: Right. And then they'll get taken down by something so stupid, like a drunk driving or like a... Right. A parking ticket or something <laughs> like, right. you know. Yeah.
0: Because they get so comfortable... They're like, I can't get caught. This is right. this is just my lifestyle now. Yeah. So poor Jeff, he comes back to his house from the chocolate convention one day and there's just police swarming his house because okay. they're doing, they got a search warrant for yeah, the house. Of so they're searching the house and Jeff is like, excuse me, yeah, what's going on?
1: And I picture him holding like, like a, all these chocolates. I know. <laughs> like it's he, so horrible. He was probably like, honey, I brought home chocolates. Yeah. And like everything. Oh my god. Yeah. Nightmare. What a nightmare. Yeah. He just especially probably, if you're completely in the dark.
0: Totally. Yeah. He was totally in the dark about all this stuff. Like he probably just sat in traffic. He just wants to get home and like tell Randy about the Ugh. convention with yeah. his chocolates. Yeah. And there's fucking police doing performing a search it's at amazing. his house. Inside the home, police found a treasure trove of of evidence. They found A shit ton of items that had belonged to Randy's victims, including a camera that had belonged to one of the boys he murdered in Oregon. They found clothing and they found a shaving kit that had the name of his victim, Michael Cluck. So he was keeping
1: souvenirs all along. Yes, he
0: was keeping souvenirs. And I mean, they found so much stuff that belonged to these boys and stuff that was so obviously belonged to someone else. Like the shaving kit had this guy's name on it.
1: Yeah. And you're not going to buy a used shaving kit normally, like right. from a thrift store or something. Yeah. yeah. On May
0: 16th, 1983, Randy was charged with the murder of Marine Terry G- Gambril, the guy who was in his car. And in September, Randy was charged with six, uh, 15 additional murders. So he was in total charged with 16 murders, even though he was believed to have committed,
1: over 40. Yeah. I mean, that's typical. Right. Because they, he's in jail for five years, waiting a, a waiting trial. Waiting trial. Uh-huh. He's
0: in the Orange County Jail. At that point, it was the longest time that anyone had spent in jail, in that jail, particular jail, before a waiting trial. I mean, it was really drawn out. He was there for
1: five years. Why was it so drawn out? Because isn't that illegal?
0: Um, I don't know the specifics of it, but I think they were gathering so much evidence for the case. I do know that detectives had a hell of a time sort of linking all of these different people. Cause there was like 50 people on this scorecard, right. like 50 victims that they had identified on the scorecard. So they had to link them to all these bodies. Got it. And but it, I,
1: there is this, isn't it the constitution that you have a speedy trial? Well, I'm he, just curious how they got away with that.
0: I honestly don't know, but I right. do know that it was like the longest at that time in Orange County's history that someone spent well, obviously
1: in jail. they had a legal recourse to do it. Yeah, maybe it was charging him with new crimes.
0: Well, they were going to charge him. They thought about, okay, we can charge him with over forty murders that he's that we've linked him to because they were able to link him to. But Randy's defense attorney was like, you know, no, and he the judge decided that they weren't going to do that right they and he was the judge was like yeah fine we'll do the 16 words because you're going to have to have hearings for each one of these it's going to take forever it's going to cost a lot of time and money fun fact the same da that tried william Bonin's case was the prosecutor for randy's case did he
1: plead guilty or no no he didn't randy
0: pled not guilty okay and here's why randy in his defense, were like, this is all circumstantial evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, although they did find a partial fingerprint on a vodka bottle that was found near one of the bodies. Mm-hmm. Randy, to this day, swears up and down that he is innocent. And that this is all slander because he's a gay man. Uh-huh. And that this is like, no, it was this other guy. It was the one-armed man.
1: I love that people say circumstantial evidence as if that isn't also very damning. (laughs) Like, I mean, circumstantial evidence is still evidence. This
0: is the most circumstantial evidence in this case, I feel like. Because I do believe.
1: I mean, I get it if it's one thing, but it's always funny to me where it's like it's only circumstantial evidence. (laughs) It's like, well, that's a lot. I mean, you're not always going to have DNA or fingerprints or fibers or whatever. And a lot of times that stuff is... Uh, science can be dismissed right. if it's tampered with or whatever.
0: Well, do I believe that police have tampered with evidence before? Absolutely. Do I believe that there is a lot of corruption in the police department? Absolutely. In this case I do believe this man is guilty because he. there was so
1: much overwhelm he had photographs of the victim. I mean it's a lot of circumstantial evidence It's a lot of them. He had photographs like The circumstances he are the sh- he was with these people who were murdered. He was there He was yeah. in Oregon. He was in Grand Rapids, Michigan Look, I've never been around one person who was murdered. Right. Like t- to be around that many people who got murdered (laughs) is pretty circumstantial
0: (laughs) and all the items in his house those like it just but he swears it and uh he's still he's on death row in san quentin to this day so he he got the death sentence
1: but in california that's almost like whatever it just never happened right he's
0: on he's on death row he's still alive he's like 71
1: and what happened to jeff the chocolate maker
0: well, Jeff, I looked him up and I couldn't find... I was trying to find a picture of him. I couldn't find it and I was really disappointed. I mean, I don't blame him if he like changed his oh, name. Of course. I mean, it yeah. might not even... In the book... That might be a fake name. It might be a slightly fake name, but I it might not be because I did... It could be, but I did look up on um, an old article from 1991 in the LA Times. I was reading this article and Jeff had talked to the author of the book, Angel of Darkness... He I don't know. It could be his real name. It could be made up for the purpose of the book. I think I don't know, but I couldn't find information on him. Yeah, I don't I can't imagine what that must have been like for him. Someone he lived right. with and was with for 8 years. It's crazy. Is the serial murderer. Randy was not a fan of the book Angel of Darkness. He actually sued the author in 1991 when the book came out and he said, "How dare you slander my good name? Mm-hmm. How dare you?" Write this stuff, and the judge was like, mm, "You know what? I'm throwing this case.
1: I out. I mean, once you're convicted of murder, I feel like you can't really sue people for slander. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look, I'm not a lawyer. You slandered your own self, Randy. Kraft. Yeah, you
1: slandered your own self with your bad behavior, Randy. You
0: must have not learned much in therapy, Randy. No, he
1: needs to go to the forum again, right, and make amends. He-
0: <laughs> oh, so I'll just tell you, he was he was found guilty, obviously, okay. of 16 counts of murder, one count of sodomy, and one
1: count of emasculation. Is that cutting off the genitals? Yes. Okay. I,
0: that's what they always call it.
1: They always call it emasculation. Uh-huh. I mean, if that's a crime, then I'm also guilty, but I don't do it physically. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Um, so great. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's always crazy when they're still living to me. I know, not because they didn't get killed, just the fact that they're alive. Because this story seems so old, it but does. yeah, obviously someone doing this in the seventies could an very 80s. well still be alive, I right? Mean, or an elderly.
0: It is wild to me. I saw a picture of him. He tried to appeal his case in two thousand, but it was denied. Right. So he he to this day, That's like crazy to, I, to maintain your
1: innocence like that,
0: right? And I saw and I saw, I read an interview with him from like a gay online magazine where he's trying to clear his name. And he basically is like, Oh my God, the excuse for the scorecard. They're like, well, what about the scorecard? What is that? He was like, it was a, it was a invitation list for a surprise birthday party for Jeff. And I didn't want him to know, so I use code names. Well, that's weird. All the code names
1: line up with murders. Line up with all the murders. Jesus Christ, what a maniac. It's almost like he doesn't even know he did it or something. Right. Like he doesn't even believe it himself.
0: What sucks is like I totally believe that there are a lot of innocent people in prison. And I believe that the justice system gets it wrong sometimes. And I, I believe we have a really flawed justice system. But then there's cases like this where I find myself being like, no, this guy's guilty.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, there's he just too did it. much. Uh, I'm still curious why. I mean, I feel like usually with these people, you have a clear path they take towards their deviant behavior. He and even, I feel like he really didn't have that. Like, no, he didn't. He yeah. had a
0: great childhood. He had friends. He had this great it's just life. just like a fucking... A bug sickness
1: in your makeup like right i think yeah. that's what it is i mean you always want to think there's a thing that could have happened right like oh he wet the bed peed on you know bumped his head and, <laughs> <laughs> and killed an animal this was a clear you know what i mean it's like as long as i can get through childhood without doing those three things i might be okay
0: i mean i think it's why you know conspiracy theorists sort of can't handle the fact that sometimes Bad things happen. Yes. They have to tie it to something else. They need to else. find a reason. They need to find a Even reason. Even if it's
1: illogical, right. it still is something.
0: Because it is hard for some people to wrap their heads around the fact that sometimes
1: shitty things happen.
0: Shitty things for happen. No and sometimes people are just
1: really shitty, irredeemably shitty. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, so, just a few things. If you want to talk more about this case. Join us on Facebook. We have a friend group that you right. can ask to join. And right. we talk about the cases there and other crime things and other Hollywood things. And sometimes we just joke around and bullshit and do <laughs> a little bit of that going on. It's yeah. a fun group. Everyone's super cool. Yeah. And we're there a lot, me and Rachel. So uh, if you want to like chat with us yeah. or uh, whatever.
0: And I also want to say, if I, I just want to say that I'm so, I've been so bad, like I'm so bad about checking personal DMs on our Instagram page. So I always will end up responding to people like three weeks later because I won't see them because they go to a different, they go to like a mailbox yeah, you have to yeah. hunt for. So I'm re- I apologize if I, and I, I'm just going to start checking it every day. I need to
1: start checking more too because I've gotten some on Facebook as well and I right. don't see them and I feel horrible. Right, uh, right. Because it's not in a... You're right, it's like in a separate folder. It's in a separate uh-huh. folder. It doesn't show up in your regular one. So I... But I think I if you join them. our group, then you can just... That will be the best way for us to see your message.
0: That's always the best way to get a hold of us is by posting in the group. Yeah. So join that Hollywood crime scene friends. Yeah. And then... Or you can email us, hollywoodcrime
1: scene at gmail.com. Yeah, we it, check the emails if you all want it to be private. Too, so right. Definitely do that. You can follow us on the other social. We post pictures and stuff like that on yeah. Instagram. And also, we have merch now. I think we mentioned it a few shows ago. We have yeah. a few merch items, including a strong load coffee cup that I love. Which is a reference to our John Bobbit episode. Is that a John? Okay, I couldn't remember because it was also Roman, like from the Scotty Bowers. But yeah, it was the John Oh, Bobby. yeah, that's right. Raymond Navarro, like <laughs> yeah. a strong load. It's like a dual meaning. Look, we, we, we've covered lots of strong load cases. We have. So we talk about um, jizz a lot. Yeah. And we have like t-shirts with a cute little logo. So check that out. You just type in dot com, and it'll take you right to the merch page if you want to look at that stuff and help us out in that way. At least you'll get something for it. Um, we'll get something from the Patreon. Oh, that's true. What am I I'm the worst salesperson. We're giving you guys a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're hardcore givers. We're
0: we're gonna order the businesswoman special. Yeah. Like in Romeo yeah. and Michelle. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that literally is us when it comes to business, I feel like. We're pretty half assed about it, so we need
1: your help. <laughs> you know what? It's not that we're half assed about it. It's that we're learning how to do all this stuff. We're learning how to do it and we're just not like natural we're just like we're learning we're good we're in the process as one of our f- reviewers said we're trashy valley girls <laughs> who are stupid as hell
0: <laughs> i feel like feel like valley girl is such a dumb descriptor because well, it's it really means, dated too it's super dated and it also just i feel like it's such a lazy descriptor because it's like it's any, an easy misogynistic... it's an easy misogynistic sort of slur where it's like any girl I don't like is a valley girl first of all I've never even lived in the San Fernando Valley I haven't either second of all yes do I have
1: a California accent
0: yes I do I was born and raised here I don't really care about changing
1: it please let us hear your accent and we'll judge <laughs> and you we'll rate your accent <laughs> I'm okay with my California I accent. don't mind being insulted but please be accurate with <laughs> be your accurate your with your insult you right. call me a Trash whore, you can call me a New York bitch, (laughs) whatever. Right. Get it straight. I'm also not from the Valley. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, but just be accurate with your insults. Right. It's just very generic. Right. So stop being a hater. You love us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.